Hello and welcome back to Four Legs Good. I hope you had a good time listening to the first episode. As I've mentioned before, I will be doing my best to keep these episodes small and concise, or as they say in showbiz, bite-sized. Because I know you're busy and I appreciate you tuning in. Today, I want to talk about compassion. I bet most people would say they are compassionate, but when do we ever actually look at being mindfully compassionate in our lives? We all know it's a good quality to have, and hopefully we try our best to be compassionate to fellow humans. But what if we could be compassionate towards all animals, not just humans? So of course, as if this were an academic paper, I would like to define compassion first. Compassion is being aware of our own and others' suffering and responding with the desire to relieve that suffering with acts of kindness, caring, and support. Focus on how the definition also includes our own suffering and being compassionate towards ourselves too. And it doesn't explicitly mention what species of animals we should be compassionate towards. A look in the history books reveals that humans or ancestors of humans developed compassion before intelligence. Evidence has been found that humans living more than 3 million years ago may have looked after the disabled or elderly even before they learned to speak or use language for communication. It's telling because compassion is an instinct. But due to the cutthroat nature of the world we live in, we tend to stifle it and cover it with indifference and sometimes plain heartlessness. And in fact, these emotions may have actually helped us develop intelligence and reasoning evolve. The feelings of compassion, that is. Researchers have also found pebbles with the baby's features etched on them and think prehistoric humans felt compassion towards those pebbles because they reminded them of babies. Pebbles. Think about that for a second. There are also numerous examples of other animals being kind and even altruistic towards each other. Elephants, for example, use their tusks to pick up injured or dying elephants. Rats have been known to show empathy for one another ironically, in lab experiments. Birds have been observed pushing their injured companions out of harm's way. And there are so many accounts of socially admired and revered dolphins helping stray swimmers get to safety. Yes, human swimmers. Even cows used on dairy farms mourn the death of their calves. This is to say that compassion is not only a human quality, It exists in nature and within all animals who live in social groups. I am very aware that nature can be brutal. Apex predators like whales, lions, eagles come to mind. You know, the animals who hunt other animals but are not themselves hunted, except for by humans. The apex predators who are carnivores use their teeth claws, talons, and brute strength to kill other animals for food. It is violent and it is ruthless. Humans, on the other hand, use weapons and technology to hunt and kill, 
sometimes for food, but mostly for the thrill. But we don't need to do that. And that is where our intelligence comes in. We have the ability to make rational decisions between good and evil. Where animals kill other animals for food or territory, we don't need to be instigators of violence. We can survive exceptionally well on a plant-based diet, and there are many alternatives to clothing as well as options in advancing science and technology. If we have this power to do something good, why must we use it for destruction? The skills unique to humans which have allowed them, us, the opportunities to organize and establish dominance over all other species on Earth should be adapted to create a more just society. While humans certainly have the capacity and means to exploit animals in countless ways, we should instead organize to take down systems of exploitation which destroy animals and humans alike. As children, one of the most important lessons we are taught is to be kind to others, especially animals. Don't be rough with the cat. Always be nice to the dog. As children, it is our instinct to be gentle with butterflies and give food and water to injured birds we find in the park. There are so many videos of children in tears over finding out that chicken nuggets are made out of real-life chickens or the octopus they are being asked to eat was alive. How do we just know these things and what happens when we grow up? When I was younger, I used to spend a lot of time with my grandmother, who I called Aji. She was my paternal grandma and lived with us for six months and my uncle's family for six months. Aji shaped me into the person I am today. She taught me some important lessons and values, being honest, being hardworking, even being a rebel. But the most important lesson she taught me was to be kind to others, especially those less fortunate than us. Summers in Mumbai are hot and humid, and most days during summer holidays, I would stay at home and eat mangoes because it would be impossible to go out in the sweltering heat. One time, I must have been seven or eight, I sat by the window overlooking the garden. I saw a donkey, all alone, standing by herself. I'm sure some of you know, India is notorious for stray animals. Yes, there are dogs, cats, cows, pigs, donkeys, you name it. And they all walk the streets at any given time. So seeing a donkey at a distance was not too strange for me. What was out of place though, was her tongue hanging from her mouth as she wandered around smelling the ground. You see, donkeys don't usually move unless they need something. I've seen herds just standing there for hours in grassy patches, each one looking in a different direction. I called Aji and told her about the donkey. Aji looked at her once and came out with a bucket of water. She seems thirsty, Aji said and pointed out the tongue. Ooh, look at her belly. She's probably going to have a baby soon. 
She was all grey with a lighter underbelly, which looked swollen, and she had a coarse mane running down to her tail. The donkey drank the entire bucket of water and heaved a sigh audibly. I had never seen a donkey up close and was fascinated by her. Aji then proceeded to feed her some rotis, that's Indian bread, and she gobbled them up. A few days went by and I saw the donkey again. Aji came out with food and water and fed her again, and again, and again. It became a routine for us. We named her Bindi, that's the red dot we apply to our foreheads, and she let us pet her. Then one day, she stopped coming. I missed Bindi so much, but it was Aji's reaction to her absence that moved me more. Aji seemed a little lost. She would leave the bucket and bread out for her every afternoon and it would be untouched in the evening. Aji would look around with sadness and then gather it all up. But then, just like that, Bindi was back and she wasn't alone. She had gone off to have her baby and now here she was with a brand new foal. Bindi hadn't forgotten and she had come to see us and even show off her new baby. I will never forget the look of sheer joy on Aji's face. She ran out of our apartment, bucket and rotis in tow, and placed them in front of Bindi and her baby. Without any words, Aji had taught me so much about being compassionate towards other animals. And then, there was Papu. Papu was a stray puppy who followed me home one day. He was the cutest little one, so tiny and skinny. I fed him my lunch every day. Most days, I would drop my things at home and run outside to play with Papu. He was rambunctious, and sometimes we would rough house, but he always made sure not to bite or scratch me. One afternoon, as we played, someone set off fireworks. We have these really loud ones called rope bombs, and the boom echoed all around the area. We were all startled, but Papu was affected the most. He started running around trying to find a place to hide. Not knowing what was wrong with him, I went to pick him up and he bit me and ran away. I didn't report it to anyone for fear of getting in trouble, but adults have a way of finding out these things and soon my mom saw the wound and started asking questions. I had to go to the doctor and get 14 injections on my tummy as prevention against rabies. Fun times. In the end, I was fine, but after that day, I never saw Papu again. I searched for him as much as a five-year-old could, and he was nowhere to be found. A few weeks later, I was told about his whereabouts. Papu had been taken to the pound to be put down because he had bit a human. But he was just a puppy, and it wasn't his fault, I protested. It was the fault of the people who had carelessly set off fireworks without consideration. He was afraid for his life, and instead of protecting this baby, we took his life away. He was punished for behaving like a dog. How was that fair? Imagine, as you walked, you came across a person hitting a dog. 
kicking their belly and using a stick to bash their head in. How would you feel? What would you do? Would you intervene? What if the person was hitting a pig in the same manner? Would you step up for the pig? Would you at least feel terrible and want it to stop? Now imagine you weren't walking, you were looking inside a slaughterhouse where torture, much worse, happens all day long, every day. Pigs used for bacon have their tails docked and testicles ripped out of their bodies without painkillers every single day. It's also legal to, put, to use blunt force trauma to put a pig down. On wool farms, sheep are sheared with such ferocity that they are left bleeding with intensive wounds. In labs, rabbits have their fur pulled out and chemicals are applied to their raw skin to study their effects. Is this compassionate? Are you making compassionate choices or just easy ones? Every day, we have the opportunity to choose between violence and kindness. How do you justify choosing violence? If you don't want to take my word for it, that's fine. But would you listen to Jane Goodall? Yes, the Jane Goodall, the primate whisperer and UN messenger of peace. In the book Animals Matter, she says, There is a new need for information that will encourage people to understand the natural world and their relationships to it. A new need to teach children in school about the way societies treat animals. And a new need to provide our youth with opportunities that foster respect for all life and an empathy with the animal beings with whom we human beings share the planet. Thank you again for tuning in. I hope I was able to plant some seeds in your conscience today. As always, I can be reached at mancipagwadi at gmail.com and at Four Legs Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Next week, we will talk more about sentience and if animals have the ability to feel pain and suffering. Thank you and have a great day and week.